Welcome to Peak Tales, a conversation about chromatography. Now here's your host, John. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is John. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Peak Tales podcast. Uh, just a bit of a program note, we are seeing an incredible amount of downloads of this podcast and uh, that is uh, due to you folks out there who are sharing this with people and letting them know about the fabulous content that uh, we are offering um, every other week here. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you would send in a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's a great way of getting people to find us and uh, consume this content. And uh, we do have a very special promo code for you. If uh, you'll just listen to the end of this episode, I will give you that promo code as a thank you for being a loyal listener. Okay, on to today's episode. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Peak Tales Podcast. This is John. Once again, I am joined by Golnar Javadi. Uh, Golnar was with us uh, in part one of this podcast where we were talking about getting your peaks in shape or, or what does it take to get the best possible peak shape and I had asked a question about the causes of imperfect peak shapes, and Golnar was nice enough to go through a really detailed list of things that could be going on with, within your column, in and around your column, that can cause imperfect peak shapes. But there's so much more, right? So what other things can contribute to poor peak shape? Right. Thank you, John. So um, in addition to the column, uh, mobile face can also play an important role in, re in uh, producing um, good peak shape. Uh, for example, if you have an ionizable compound, um, pH of the mobile face becomes an important factor. So if you work at a pH that's close to pKa of the compound, it's not a good idea. Uh, because at pKa, half of the molecules are charged and the other half are neutral. And so they behave differently and have different interactions with the stationary phase. And this creates a bad peak shape. So if you have an ionizable compound, try to use a pH that is, let's say, 1.5 to 2 pH units away from the pKa of the analyte. Um, so I guess now you can see that how important it is to be able to control the pH in cases like this. That's why we recommend, and it's a good idea, to use a buffered uh, mobile phase to control the pH. Uh, using a buffer enhances retention, resolution, and peak shape of ionizable compounds. Um, usually, as far as the concentration of the buffer, you want to be somewhere between 20 millimolars to 50 molar, 50 millimolar, I'm sorry, 20 millimolar to 50 millimolar buffer concentration. If you want to use higher concentration, um, you may actually end up uh, with the buffer uh, precipitating uh, in the organic phase. So this is a good range to be, basically. Now, the other thing is, um, I wanted to point, it, point this out, is when you're adjusting the pH to the desired value, um, be very careful and use it, do it in a small increments. Avoid overshooting because um, this will affect the ionic strength and, and the chromatogram. Um, the other thing is um, the way you're preparing buffers and the mobile phase. Um, a lot of times, you know, the, the several different people prepare this. You want to make sure that you have a method in place that everybody follows the same method so you are consistent. 
because there are different ways that you can make the buffers or the mobile phase, and that can make a difference um, in the peak shape and in the chromatogram. So try to be consistent. Um, another thing you can do to get good peak shape is um, do this film, uh, do the anal analysis um, at higher temperatures, because at higher temperatures you get sharper um, and better peaks, and also you get a shorter runtime. Another factor is the type of the organic solvent that you use in your mobile phase. Um, it can affect the peak shape. Um, for example, um, if you use methanol, um, it usually um, creates better peak shape for basic compounds. Um, but at the same time, it has a higher pressure um, compared to acetonitrile. Um, on the other hand, acetonitrile um, has a wider UV window and also is a stronger solvent than methanol. So it all depends on your application, and in some cases, actually, you may um, even consider using a combination of the two as your organic um, model phase. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, sometimes it helps to have additives to the mobile phase. Uh, for example, uh, when you're dealing with basic compounds, um, an amine-containing um, additive, such as triethylamine um, can reduce the peak tailing. There are also acidic additives um, that they're often used to keep the, those free silanols protonated and reduce the peak tailing for basic compounds. Usually phosphoric, acetic, formic acid are used, or even uh, trifluoracetic acid, TFA. Now, Golner, in uh, the first part of this particular series, you had mentioned capillaries and fittings. How do they affect peak shape? Because I know you had mentioned optimizing system volume and doing things of that nature, and that usually means working with the connecting capillaries and such. Maybe you could expand on that a bit. Right, sure. So the extra column volume due to the connecting capillaries can contribute to mixing, and, of course, it can affect the peak shape and produce the broader peaks and sometimes even peak tailing. So usually when this is a problem, um, this can affect and uh, be noticeable for the smaller volume when you're using a smaller volume columns because it's just basically the comparison between the extra column volume and the volume of the column that makes it important. So you need to keep the diameter and the length of these capillaries as small as possible and that will help with improving the peak shape. So if you're using a small volume column and even small particle size, use uh, red capillaries, uh, which are 0.12 millimeter ID um, capillaries. Um, the other thing is the fitting. If it's not properly installed or uh, if there's a mismatch between the hardware of the fitting and the hardware of the column inlet, um, you will get problems with the peak shape and it can contribute to mixing. Sometimes you get uh, broad, split, and tailing peaks. So different manufacturers have different style fittings. And if you use the mismatch fitting with the column, and if the capillary does not go all the way inside the column inlet, it can create a small mixing chamber in there. And that would uh, result in broad and tailing peaks. Um, usually this problem, you will see it with all the peaks in your chromatogram but the early eluding peaks are affected more. So if you get in such a case that, oh my God, all of a sudden all my peaks are tailing, uh, but the early ones are tailing even more, that's a sign that you need to check your fitting and see if it's fitting properly.
So one way to solve this problem is using spring-loaded fittings, um, such as um, quick connect and quick turn fittings, uh, because the spring uh, that's a part of these fittings uh, pushes the capillary all the way inside the column inlet and produces a zero-dead volume connection every time. Yeah, those uh, two products that you mentioned, the quick connect and quick turn fittings, uh, really are a lifesaver. Uh, something so simple as that that connection to your column um, is critical, right? You had mentioned that uh, that, that could, if, if done incorrectly or mismatched, it could create some extra mixing and uh, and peak shape problems. So so yeah, really take a look at that if you're interested. Uh, you know, Agilent can direct you to where you can get the quick connect and quick turn fittings, and and these are available for you know thousands of connections before you have to do a little bit of maintenance on the ferrule, but. Uh, they're really efficient. They've been on the market a couple of years and actually revolutionized uh, uh, the fitting space um, a while back when, when we introduced these. Yeah, thanks for mentioning those. Uh, what about different uh, system components? How could the different actual components in your HPLC system affect a peak shape? Um, yeah, so apart from the injection and injection volume, um, I, I want to talk about the detector and what problems that can uh, cause for the peak shape. Um, for example, the detector lamp. Um, if the lamp is old or if you're using a low-quality uh, lamp, um, it can affect the baseline and you will not get a good signal-to-noise ratio. But if you use a good-quality lamp, um, the, peak, the baseline will be stable and you get a larger signal-to-noise ratio. So we always recommend using genuine Agilent lamps with our detectors on our instruments. The other thing is the detector settings, such as data collection rate that can affect the peak shape of the detector peak. So when you're using a column with a small volume, you need to use a higher data collection rate so that you can actually capture all the data points. Otherwise, you'll end up with a peak that apparently looks short and wide. And the reason is because you miss the points at the top of the peak. So for PortaShell and Zorbax RRHD sub to micron columns, um, use um, 80 hertz data collection rate um, to make sure that you get a really sharp peak. Another thing to consider is the flow cell and its volume. Um, so the smaller volume columns need a smaller volume flow cell. Otherwise, all the hard work that you and the column have done to create sharp peaks gets lost when the analyte peak gets to the large volume flow cell and then start getting mixed with the mobile face. Yeah, I mean, I, I recall uh, traveling around um, for several years doing master classes where we'd bring equipment in and, and work with uh, customers. And the detector setting was always that mm -hmm. thing, right? Because uh, at, at least in, in Agilent, OpenLab has some default settings that are set out of the box and sometimes people don't go in and know that they can change them and and change the um the data collection rates uh, in their software you know in relation to the detector that they're using so that's i'm really glad that you that you mentioned that because a lot of times it is something as simple as you know changing that data rate to get better peak shape because it was just electronically missing you know important pieces of information and data uh, that that were actually there. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. There are other things like sample, and how does that affect your, your sample that you're introducing, obviously, to the column? How, how does that affect peak shape? 
Yeah, so that's one of the most common problems that um, that we get um, when customers call and we want to do the troubleshooting. We end up that this has to do something with the sample. So if the sample volume is too large, so basically um, we call it sample overload, uh, you will get all kinds of peak shape problems, especially peak fronting. So what happens here is when you introduce more sample that then can be effectively partitioned between the stationary phase and the mobile phase, some of the sample just stays with the mobile phase and eludes faster than the rest of the sample. So that creates peak fronting. Um, so again here, for smaller volume columns, you need to make sure that you use the smaller injection volume. The other thing to pay attention to is the sample solvent and its strength because it can affect the peak shape. If the sample solvent is stronger than the mobile phase, um, you will get broad and split peaks. So ideally, you want to really have the mobile phase as your sample solvent or have a solvent that's weaker than the mobile phase. Now, in some cases, due to solubility or uh, stability limitations, you may have to use a stronger solvent. But in those cases, try to make sure that you keep the injection volume as small as possible. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that happens very often is that a lot of times um, peak shape problems can be caused by dirty samples. And again, we get a lot of calls related to this from our customers, and we end up um, concluding that the dirty sample was the cause of the problem. So if you have particulates in your sample, they can partially clog the column inlet grid, and they will cause split peaks. Also, chemical contamination from the sample can stay on the column and cause secondary interactions with the analyte, and that will result in peak tailing and broad peaks. So what to do? Um, to remove the particles, you can uh, use physical filtration with Captiva syringe filters and filter vials. They can efficiently remove the particulates and minimize uh, some of these problems. Um, one of the chemical contaminations that's really notorious for causing problems, um, it causes secondary interaction, and also in mass spec, it causes ion suppression, is lipids. So you want to really get rid of the lipids in your sample. Um, we have Captiva EMR lipid, which is a great way of uh, getting rid of proteins, lipids, and particulates all in one shot. And if you need to do some other sample uh, cleanup, you can use um, SLE, which is supported solid-supported liquid liquid extraction with Chemilute S or using the ultimate sample cleaning product with solid phase extraction with the bond dilute products. Um, the last point that I wanted to cover is the interactions of analytes with metals. Um, you know, metals are present in the system, in column, tubing, ferrules, frits, and etc. So some analytes, because of their molecular structure, they can form a complex with metals and they may show um, poor peak shape, such as tailing and fronting. So in cases that you suspect metal chelation activities is going on, um, doing an acid wash can improve the peak shape. Um, usually you can do the acid wash with phosphoric acid, maybe 0.5% to 1%, and that can go through the system and also through the column. But just make sure that 
um, pay attention what your column specifications are, and you want to stay within the pH limits of your column. Yeah, and I know uh, all the Agilent columns are are shipped with a, a physical piece of paper <laughs> that gives you that information. Uh, often, though, we can't put our hands on it right there and then when uh, when we're doing our analysis. I know that's happened to me in the lab, but just rest assured that you can contact Agilent and be more. We'd be more than happy to kind of take you through what the limits are for the column that you're using, uh, and maybe talk you through some of some of this as well and help you troubleshoot. Uh, because, you know, as Golnar said, um, sometimes the problem is as simple as, you know, a poorly filtered sample. Um, and sometimes it's a little more complex, you know, where you have to deactivate your system uh, with uh, phosphoric. So, Golnar, a lot of information here. Thank you. I know you gave our uh, listeners a great deal to think about. And, and that's one of the nice things about podcasts, right? So you can stop and go back and, and take notes if you want to do that. I would certainly, if you haven't heard the first part of uh, this discussion, uh, please go back and find that episode. Uh, it will be right before this episode, and you can start right from the beginning. And again, Golnar, thanks so much for sharing your expertise today, and we hope to hear you soon on another edition of the Peak Tales podcast. Thank you, John. My pleasure. Hey, that was a great discussion, and I just want to make sure that I give you the promo code so that you can take advantage of a special offer that we have for you, the podcast listeners. The promo code is 15991599. It is available in North America only, and uh, there are some limitations, so uh, please uh, check that out online. Uh, when you go to place your order with us online or if you're talking to one of our representatives. Uh, so again, promo code is 1599. Thank you so much for listening. You know what? There's one more thing you can do for us. Uh, you can go out and tell your friends about the Peak Tales podcast. You could forward them this episode and other episodes as well. You can send them over to Peak tales.libsyn.com and there they can subscribe. Uh, this way they'll never miss an episode of the Peak Tales podcast. Thank you so much for your time today and we look forward uh, to coming uh, to your podcast app real soon with another great episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Peak Tales. For more information on what was discussed today, contact your local Agilent representative or go online to Agilent.com.